people. Well, this one pastor named Ted, many years ago, um, he lived in a town, um, and he, he, he was the pastor of this church, and it was, uh, uh, the town was fairly small, everybody kind of knew everybody. Um, as being the pastor of that church, he saw the storm coming. The storm was coming, the, the, the rain clouds were there, and he knew. It's a Sunday, the rain is coming, people are not going to come out today. This is one of those storms that are coming that is going to flood the area. Um, this is one of those that you just know, you know, let's stay home today. Even though people, he did have church, obviously, he, he we didn't really close the church, it wasn't that kind of storm, but it's just, this is not one of those days you look out in the and you say, oh, look at the sunshine, yeah, it's going to be a great day. No, it's the storm's coming, it's going to be drenching wet for everybody. After church was over, he began to lock up, and him and his wife, um, they were ready to go home, and um, his wife... Um, had just plans for Sunday lunch. At that time, this gentleman comes up and says, I'm just looking for the pastor. He says, yeah, I'm the pastor. Says, My house was burned down. And I have nowhere to stay. I have nowhere to stay, and hey, the guy's drenched, just soaking drenched from the rain. And the man says, it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for my daughter. It's my family. The pastor said, you know what, to his wife, he said, go ahead and go home, um, get lunch prepared, and I'll meet you there. I need to call a couple of the board members and find out if we can help this man. He decides, all right, I'll talk to the board members. It's going to take me a little bit. I'll let you know. Fourteen years later, fourteen years later, the pastor of the church gets a letter in the mail. It says, I came to your church 14 years ago asking for food and money. I told the preacher my house burned down, but that was a lie. 14 years later, the pastor goes, I remember this. I remember this guy. Isn't that funny? The things that happen in church, right at church, going out to lunch, with the, or going to have lunch with his wife, and this man stopped him to say that. 14 years later, he receives this letter. See, he says, I knew exactly who this was because that man did come, and I sent my wife home to make lunch. And then he goes, I... I called all the board members, and they approved to give him $100 to pay for his motel that he was staying in. Now, before he left, he said, 
thank you, sir. I really appreciate this. And he gave him the address to the hotel where he went and met him with $100 and a ton of sandwiches for the family. See, he, he said, anything you can do, I'll be thankful my family, it's my daughter. <laughs> That's who's getting hurt the worst. The pastor, knowing exactly what it's like to have a family, has three kids of his own. Boy, do they know where the buttons to push. That day, he drove home in the rain, pouring down rain, And as he approached the house, his wife Jeannie was sitting on the porch, covered in mud, crying out loud. He gets out of the car and he runs over. He goes, Jeannie, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she goes, I almost drowned. He goes, what? What happened? What happened? Because I was standing out here on the porch waiting for you. looking to see what time you were coming. And then I saw this little boy riding his bike, and he got close to the ditch. See, at their house, there's this huge ditch. And this ditch, when it rains a lot, it overflows and it floods the area. And she goes, while I was waiting for you, I was looking at the ditch to see how, how flooded it was. And I was just out here on the porch. And then I saw this little boy drive, ride his bike. And then I realized he, had, he was headed to fall into the ditch. So she goes, I ran out and I grabbed him and I saved him from going into the ditch. I pulled him out. But in the meantime, I lost my balance and I fell in. And the heavy rushing water, the fast moving water, I should say, washed me into the tunnel. So I grabbed onto the edge of the tunnel of, in the ditch. And I, he goes, I grabbed it, but the water kept coming to where I started drinking the water. And I knew I was going to drown. Finally, I realized it's better to let go of the side of the tunnel and just go. Her body washed through the tunnel, out the other side. A neighbor had heard everything and came running out and came and rescued her. It was terrible. He says, I should have been there. I should have been there. If I was there, I would have been the one to go and get the boy. I would have been the one. My wife shouldn't have had to do this. So they, she, so they talked back and forth about, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I left you like that. But you did save a boy. It made, it made news. The next day it was in the papers, and um, people were talking about it all over town. She looked at him, and she said, but you saved somebody too today. 
Because yes, I didn't. I guess that's a good way to look at it. I saved a family too. About two weeks later, he receives a phone call from the manager at the pizza, pizza store. He goes, hey, sir. He goes, um, sorry to bother you right now, but it's time to pay your bill. He goes, what bill? He goes, your son came in with your, um, with your business card and said that um, you wanted to order the pizza and that you would pay it later, and it's been uh, about two weeks now. He then talked to the man on the phone and said, we've both been conned. See, because whenever he gave the man the money and the food, he gave him his business card and said, if you ever need me, give me a call. Well, he didn't call him. He went down and made a deal with pizzas and got some pizzas. (laughs) This made Ted feel even worse because now Ted went and helped this family while his, his wife was nearly drowning For years, he, to the most that a Christian pastor could do, he literally hated this guy in a loving way. (laughs) He just couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over that he almost lost his wife because he wasn't there. And the fact that some guy conned him out of it, he was a jerk. This guy had used his time that he could have spent with his wife, rescued the boy, saved his wife from all that trauma, and just for years, that's what they had to deal with. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good who serve him, who love him. All things work together. I don't you have to question the Bible every once in a while? This is that this is that verse that you can question. All things, really, God, all things. I mean, there's some really serious messed up stuff in this world. And God has this verse in the Bible, and the Bible cannot lie. All things. Work together for good for those who love him. It's the weirdest thing because I've been through some stuff that I can look at and say, it ain't nothing good with that. There ain't nothing coming good out of that. But you know what it doesn't say? Some things work together for good. It doesn't say a percentage of things work together for good. It says all things. That's an incredible statement that God can give us as a promise that nothing that happens in your life can take over. God's stronger than whatever it is. And God can take it and manipulate it to the way that will work best for you and for him. Even your crazy messed up past even the things that maybe somebody's done to you that you'll, you just think, I can never get over that. God has a way of just taking it and molding it and saying, now, look at it now. One time I was in a pottery class. Yes, I was. It was in high school. 
and I was looking for the easiest classes that I could take, and that was one of them. I'm not an artsy guy. I can't draw. My writing is terrible. I can't even imagine how to make it happen. So art's not my thing. Playing in mud was cool. So you take this mud of clay and you put it on this table and the table spins and then you mold what you want out of it. And man, there's some cool stuff that people get out of that. I'm looking at my, uh, one lady, she made a bowl, like a nice bowl. It was good. I made something. Not an ashtray. <laughs> no. I lived in a preacher's house. I could never take an ashtray home. It's a crazy. What kind of parents did you have? <laughs> I understand it. You're, yeah, I know. You had nothing to do with this. No. <laughs> so I am on this wheel spinning and this clay starts out a ball and then you start forming and dude, I got the tallest, just like tubular looking thing. It was great. And then it just took this turn. And what was like this, like a tube, is now like a bent pipe or something. <laughs> And I took it up. I messed around with it. I, I messed around with it. Because I looked at it. And since it... I took it up to my teacher after I was done, ready to throw it into the oven. And she goes, that's pretty creative. Because... Even though I had no clue where I was going this with this thing, when it bent over, I drink Dr. Pepper a lot back in those days. And what do you do with the can? You squeeze it when you're done in the middle, and it just crunches over. And so I made a bent Dr. Pepper can out of it. Dude, it was beautiful. I still have it. I saved it. It's still in my garage. I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it, but it was something that I just... It's the only thing I've ever made in my life. Okay, all right, I'm done with that. So it was amazing to me because it looked like junk. And then all of a sudden, that's what God does, though. God takes your messed up life and makes something cool out of it. Okay, maybe a Dr. Crushed Dr. Pepper can is probably not the coolest thing in the world. But this only illustration I got for that. Um, it, it's just that it just wasn't supposed to be, and then it was. When Jesus was here on earth for just a little over 30 years, about 33, his ministry began, and it was about three, maybe four years of ministry that he really did. And he kept telling them over and over and over, I'm going to die. Now, that's pretty normal. I'm going to die. But then he talks about his death is coming before, his death is coming before they have a military force that takes over. 
These guys are thinking Jesus is here to take over and he's going to build this military force. These guys, no, no, no. That's not how it's going to work. I'm actually just going to die. I want to die a painful death. And he goes, in fact, the way this is going to happen is as I'm being tortured and tormented, you guys are going to scatter. You guys are going to leave. (laughs) You know Peter. I mean, Peter gets up and says, oh, no, they may all do it, but not me. I got you. And Jesus said, nope, you're going to do it. And we know the story. Peter was so bad that just a a little servant girl, a little teenager came up and called him out. And he says, oh, no, 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 it wasn't me. (laughs) I mean, it's just a little servant girl. I'm like, dude, you can't stand up to her? (laughs) Yeah, you got Jesus, right? When Jesus died, something amazing happened. It's his death and resurrection gives us eternal life. In fact, in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see that? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It wasn't like he went out as a a person in armor and going out and facing the enemy like we thought he would have um, weapons and lots of people going against the army. No, he won this battle by dying on the cross and being placed in a grave. And it's through that that we have hope. It says that from the dead, verse 4 says, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. It's because of the bad news that we get the good news. It's because of his death that we have salvation. It's because of his death that we get to be with him for eternity. It says it's reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through the faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though for now, check this out, even though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. There you go. Why does God allow bad things to happen? I can't answer that one. Not completely. But I can tell you this. It's not a surprise to anybody in the scripture that we are going to go through bad times. Peter is not fooled at all at this point. He finally, the light comes on. He understands. And he's sitting here going, even if you're going through hard times, bad days, whatever's happening in your life, it's for a short amount of time, especially compared to eternity, which is forever. And that's where your inheritance is. That's where your glory is. That's where your hope is. And so here we have, he says, if it's Verse 7, for that, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes through tested by, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the re- revelation of Jesus Christ. 
your day is coming. Man, we all go through hard times. Oh, and I know some of you have harder times than I've been through. And then guess what? Somebody else is going through harder times than you've been through. We can always see somebody else that's going through something we never want to go through. But the same answer for all of us is true. That during this short time of our life here, we have a hope because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that nobody can take away. No trial, no hard time, no, no destruction in your life can take this away. It's because of Jesus' death. We didn't see that. The, the disciples didn't look at Jesus hanging on the cross and just go, dude, we won. Victory is ours. They, they didn't do that. They weren't even close to doing that. Even though Jesus told them that's how it's going to be won. And the same thing with us. We read this scripture and it says, this is our inheritance in heaven, but we struggle during life. Why are we struggling here with our, uh, our, our problems and the things that's happening? Yes, it hurts. Yes, they're hard to handle. But do we miss what Jesus is saying? It's just for a little time. This is God's word giving us a promise. It's just for a short time. And Peter is making it clear here. He totally gets it now. Remember, this is not the Peter that put his foot in his mouth all the time when he was a disciple. He's now an apostle. He has been, um, he has been through so much abuse and things has happened to him. And now he's writing this from the heart. This is straight from God. It's glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy unexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Man, I, there's so many things going on in our life and we don't understand, but I, I take this for one doesn't matter what you're going through. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you win in the end. As for right now, in this situation, in our life that we live, we have revel uh, um, revelation. Um, we have Romans 8, 28, which says, all things work together for good for those who love him. Love God and rejoice. And then here, the brother, the um, half-brother of Jesus, James says in James 1, wait a minute, before I read this, just let's just face it. We all go through bad times. We all go through life battles. We all get depressed. We all get lonely. We all think there's no hope in the end. You don't think James understood that? James watched his brother die on a cross. Tortured, tormented. And then James also lived the aftermath when Jesus came back and, 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 and showed that he was alive and well. And then James had to realize, oh my goodness, for 30-something years I didn't believe who you were. 
I lived in the same house with you. And now he says this. I'm going to back up. I wasn't going to throw this in there, but I have to because of what I just said. James does not refer to himself as the half-brother or brother of Jesus. He now knows who he is. He says, I'm James, a bondservant of God and our, our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, brother by birth, I choose to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I mean, it's a big difference. Man. But he says in verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Just hang in there. Go through it. Let this take place in your life so you are closer and closer to Jesus because why? You're going to have to depend on him. The further you go into these trials and tribulations and hard times, the closer you're going to get to Jesus Christ because you have to depend on him. You have to realize that you are weak, but he is strong. He gets you through this. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously. You know what? You're going through something? Ask God, God, why am I going through this? Where does my help come from? And without reproach, it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without doubting, and one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Ask in faith. God's waiting for you to go through this with him. Not so you, you can see how strong you are. <laughs> the end result is you're going to see how strong you are. But that's not what it's about. It's to see how strong God is. How powerful your God is. You know, you know where you stand. You know the power that you have. You know your limits, but do you know God's limits? See, that's what you're finding out. Oh, we've been th through stuff with our family, um, through renting out the Rose Bowl Stadium to putting in money in the ministries and going broke on different things and, and all these different situations that we've been in and the, throughout ministry that we come to our line. We were done but we kept going because of the power of Jesus Christ. He's like, all right, you went as far as you can go, but I, I'm going to take you a lot further. This pastor that, um, Ted, that um, his wife had struggled and, and um, they, for years, really, this was something that she had to deal with was that she almost drowned. And I totally understand that. Um, if you ever come that close to death, it didn't just go away. It stays with you where you don't sleep. Um, you have, obviously, you, you came that close to death. So um, that's a memory that you don't want to um, keep remembering, but you can't forget. So it's weird. But um, anybody's come to that. And, and so you, you realize that continually. Well, that also had some effect on their marriage, on their relationship. I mean, he felt guilty. He felt guilty. He wasn't there. He felt even worse that some, some guy ripped them off to make this all happen. And when he read this letter from this guy, it was from prison. 
This man is now in prison 14 years later writing this. And this pastor doesn't even know what to do with that. He's like, I don't know. Is he trying to just look good so he can get out of jail? I mean, is he, is he just um, writing this because his conscience finally caught up with him? I mean, what is happening that this guy's going to write me a letter? Well, in the envelope, there were a lot of stamps, unused stamps. And he went on to say how he is sorry for taking advantage of that church. And he said, these are the stamps that I have. And it's just the beginning of me trying to repay what you guys had done for me. He says, I don't have much, but I'm going to try. He says, 14 years I've carried that guilt and anger inside of me. And now he was confessing from prison. He says, I'm sending these stamps as a down payment of what I owe. I wish I could say why I picked out your church. I wasn't, it wasn't personal. I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I, sin, I am sincerely sorry. The pastor said he read this. And he's always been angry. Because he said, if it wasn't for that, I would have been there. My wife would not have went into that place where she almost lost her life. And then it struck him. It changed. As he's sitting there reading this letter, it just changed. And he says, no, for 14 years, I thought that. For 14 years, I wasn't there. So that's why. And it's all your fault. And then he rethought it. And he's like, no, my wife was going to make lunch. And if it wasn't for this guy, we would have all been inside the house eating. And that little boy would have lost his life. And he got out a pencil and a paper and he began to write the letter. And he says, boy, do I have a story for you. All these years he's been thinking he could have saved his life, but in reality... No, God used a distraction. Oh, he lost $100 and some sandwiches. But it made the opportunity that he never saw that his wife saved a boy that if the circumstances weren't the same, the boy would have died. All things work together for good for those who love him, even being ripped off, even being in the worst place. God's doing something good. You may not see it. Fortunately, they got to see it 14 years later. 14 years later, they found out. He finally came to his senses. I know it's tough. I mean, I, I can get up here and I can preach it. it, it there, it's, it's not something someone can say to you as you're going through something. And you hear somebody say, go with all joy, <laughs> rejoice, be happy. This is God walking with you. I mean, you're like, yeah, you, you, you haven't been through it. And you're right. One person said to me, um, they've done drugs and alcohol and been addicted to all these things. And when I, after I was done preaching, I said, you know, the reason I can't listen to this is because you've never been an addict. So you don't know. 
and they're right. But it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And he knows every single thing you're going through. See, you don't listen to me. Don't hear my words. Don't look at my life. Don't look at me as the person. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. You're absolutely right because I'm not God. I'm just a messenger. And I'm telling you what God says. And he says, cast all your burdens onto him. He means that. He, he Also, another fact is when he says all things work together for good, I don't even understand a bit of that. But I know that's what his word says. And I trust him. And I think you can too. So if you'll just give your cares, your concerns, your trials, your tribulations, man, I, I, can't, I, I can't be the person that is just up here and says, oh, I know how it's going to work because I don't. But God does. And I can tell you this. I've been through, a, I've been through enough in my life that without God... I was doomed. So I can confirm, verify, put a stamp of approval or whatever. What God has told me in his word has been true in my life. So I am a true witness that you can trust what the Bible tells you. He, I do not like that song, you haven't failed me yet, because there's no yet. God does not fail. And what he says in his word is a promise, and he cannot lie.